Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Are we going to war? I ask because a deadly drone attack killed three U.S. service members over the weekend and wounded more than 30 in Jordan near the Syrian border. This happened on Saturday night. Now, this was the first time that U.S. troops have been killed by enemy fire in the Middle East since October 7th. And as you know, October 7th was when the terrorist organization that runs Gaza, Hamas, uh, attacked Israel and took 250 innocent civilians hostage, as well as murdered 1,200 more. Uh, President Biden has blamed Iran-backed militia groups, and we know that Iran is funding Hamas. And then the president, our president, President Biden, vowed to hold them responsible. So what does that mean? What does that mean, hold them responsible? Um. Marine Corps Colonel Eric Bauer, he's retired. He is uh, a former Marine helicopter pilot. He's flown hundreds of missions throughout war-torn and dangerous areas of the Middle East. He has served on the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff as an associate professor of the National Security Strategy and Policy at the National War College and special advisor to commander of U.S. forces in Afghanistan. Colonel Colonel Buer, I apologize for getting your name wrong, Colonel Buer, but I am so grateful to welcome you to the show, sir. Thank you for joining us. Jordana, good morning. Uh, great to be here. Again, Colonel Eric Buer, we really appreciate your time. Okay, so so that, that actually scares a lot out of me. President Biden is vowing to hold the Iran-backed militant groups responsible, which he should, but uh, Colonel, uh, are we going to war? Well, the president, and uh, he's been saying um, those types of things for some time now. This isn't clearly isn't the first attack. Mm-hmm. Iranian proxies, whether it's Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, as we've seen recently, uh, and now uh, the Islamic resistance in Iraq, as they're calling themselves, uh, attack U.S. service members and U.S. interests. Uh, it killed three service members, uh, unbelievably. Um, it hadn't killed more. This is you know, the hundreds of attacks. Um, that have happened uh, since the 7th of October. Uh, and the U.S. really hasn't gone after uh, or held the Iranians uh, accountable in any measurable manner. And so it just emboldens them. And this is uh, clearly uh, an example of what happens if you don't really fight, you know, firepower with firepower. It's, it's just going it, to, it will escalate it. Well, take us back a little bit and give us a little history. Why are the Iranians attacking U.S. service members? There have been 158 attacks, by the way. These three were murdered this past weekend. They were killed. Uh, but there have been multiple attacks. So why are the Iranians attacking U.S. service people? So the Iranians, it's, it's part of their, it's, and it's, it's their long-term goal is to have any U.S. presence, and Israeli presence for that matter, mm-hmm. uh, completely stripped out of the Middle East in the, in the region. They want to be the hegemon. They want to they dominate the Middle East. Um, and they support Hezbollah, they support the Houthis, they support 
Hamas. It's the cheapest and easiest way um, to uh, for them to inflict damage on uh, Americans and clearly Israelis. And Hamas were all trained by the, the Iranians. They're the Republican guards, uh, Islamic guards. So their their fingerprints are over everything. You know, small groups can't build and fly very complex, you know, unmanned uh, aerial systems. They just think they simply can't do that. So uh, it's clear the Iranians are doing this. It's clear the Iranians are escalating it. They're behind all of it. They've been by, behind it uh, for the last two years now for all the, the U.S. military presence, presence both in Syria and Iraq. Uh, and they've just become emboldened, and they know nothing's really going to happen to them. The U.S. has done some strikes uh, very sparingly. It's under 10 um, that they've uh, they've, they've uh, executed. So, yeah, it's emboldening the, the Iranians, and they're only going to attempt to do more. So President Biden has said that this will not go unpunished. What should the Americans do? And And why are we letting them attack us if, as you said in the past, nothing has happened? What should we do? It's a great question. You know, it's a great question and has strategists uh, throughout all parts of government in the U.S., you know, scrambling for answers. And there's there's certainly a diplomatic response of sanctions. There's certainly the ways we can uh, define their role in the world kind of from an informational perspective. Uh, economically, they've been isolated. Uh, and militarily, uh, that's really what they only seem to understand. And so uh, there needs to be uh, not a whole scale ramping up. But there needs to be some more effective targeting done, I believe, on critical uh, nodes and infrastructure of the Iranians and really put the Iranians um, on a back foot. Uh, right now, they're conducting this all about all these uh, operations outside their border. Um, and they, they, like I said, they feel very emboldened. So um, it, it really is going to take uh, a coalition uh, to put a very definitive stamp on, on the Iranians. And that's going to be most likely through airstrikes and targeted missile strikes. Okay, so airstrikes and targeted missile strikes at the people who attacked us in Jordan, or you you mean in Iran? Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to think what the American response should look like and would look like, or is this an entree into a World War III? I, I hate to sound alarmist, but, you know, yeah. as you said, the Iranians have to be stopped, and they've gotten away with attacking us. Now they've murdered three American service people, so, I mean, if you were make, I, I just, I don't know what can the president do without pulling us into an all-out war. Yeah, great question, and these are very, very valid concerns. But uh, a world war is not going to happen with the Iranians. The Iranians really, they, they are, they are certainly flexing their muscle now. But they're paper tigers. They're they're flying 1970s aircraft that we gave them back under the Shah uh, in a day. Um, you know, Tehran could be blackened with Israeli F-35s and F-16s if they wanted to. This could easily be escalated, and the Iranians could be given a significant, significant blow. But that would be, okay. uh, you know, again, raising the bar. So uh, World War Three, as they're trying to build a, you know, a coalition of their own, of the willing, um, and that's very fractured. Uh, the Jordanians, I mean, the Iranians have enemies all around them. The Saudis mm-hmm. certainly are, as Sunnis, the Jordanians, the Egyptians. They're not going to support Iran claiming to have this uh, this coalition of this Islamic Brotherhood to fight the Israelis and the Americans. I, I think that's unrealistic. It is a bit of fear tactics. Um, those airstrikes need to smash into, uh, in this case, uh, the Islamic resistance in Iraq. Uh, the same way they need to very, very definitively strike the Houthis, Hezbollah, and Hamas. 
um, and mm-hmm. and their and their chains, their second order effects of those of who supplies them, where their drones come from. Just follow that food chain back to its source. It doesn't mean you're going to take this back directly to the Iranians now, but uh, when you when the Iranians don't have a way to exercise uh, power outside of their borders, that's when they really begin to lose their power, and that's really what these targeted um, airstrikes would be doing, really minimizing the effects of the Iranians. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app, the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. What do you think about the president's current policy in Israel uh, and against uh, Hamas? What do you, you know, how do you feel about it? Do you feel that we as Americans are doing the right thing um, in supporting Israel? What are your thoughts? I think his response is weak. He's trying to play every side. Uh, He's trying to play every side of it he possibly can. I've written about this. I mean, he's, he's really cowering down to these political minorities in the U.S., um, earlier on, we've seen these pro-Palestinian uh, marches on college campuses, you know, people that just don't understand the issue. Um, we have to stand shoulder to shoulder uh, with the Israelis, uh, another democracy on, on so many levels, moral, ethical, moral uh, levels. Absolutely. Uh, we, we have to stop out against aggression and that level of you know, what, the, what Hamas had done to the Israelis is, you know, is unspeakable. Uh, the story gets lost now in mainstream media. Um, I, I think we, as Americans, need to put pressure on the administration, whoever it is, uh, that we don't walk away from our allies. Uh, and Israel is a key ally. They always have been an ally. And we have a lot of connections to Israel outside purely political. Of course, you know, a lot of Americans that, and Israelis enjoy dual citizenship and uh, a democracy. And it's uh, it, it stands for a lot of things to a lot of people. So, um, uh, the pol- current policy, the kind of this lame approach to support is, uh, you know, it's indicative of so many things you've seen in this administration. Uh, they're out to appease uh, pretty much anyone they can. And it, uh, it, it puts us at risk as a nation. And you can tell right now it's, it's put American service members um, at risk uh, across the across the globe. Well, I'm, I'm I'm happily surprised by hearing you say we need to take an even stronger stance in support of Israel, um, because I did not know your politics on that. But it's interesting as a, you know, a former service member, I appreciate uh, you saying that. And if anybody is um, interested, I'm, I'm speaking with uh, Colonel Eric Beyer. Is, did I say it right, Colonel? A viewer. Viewer. I don't know why I can't get it right, David. I'm so sorry. <laughs> David's going to have to write everything out phonetically uh, for me. Colonel Eric Buer, excuse me, formerly of the Marine Corps, um, serving on staff at the Joint Chiefs, Associate Professor of National Security at the National War College, Special Advisor to the Commander of U.S. Forces in Afghanistan. Uh, before I let you go, Colonel Buer, I'd like your thoughts on what is happening with UNRWA. UNRWA, U-N-R-W-A, is supposed to be a humanitarian organization. Now, multiple countries have pulled their funding after they have found that 10% of, uh, excuse me, at least uh, 12 of the employees uh, that were in Gaza, I'm talking about teachers and UNRWA employees that were supposed to be providing aid to the Gazans, 
participated in the October 7th massacre. We're also hearing that 49% of UNRWA employees in Gaza actually have ties to Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Uh, 23% of UNRWA's male employees have ties to Hamas, compared even to the average of 15% for adult males. So many countries are now pulling their support from UNRWA after they're finding out that this UN organization, this supposed aid organization, had ties and also kept hostages. There are lots of there are examples of UNRWA employees keeping hostages. What do people need to know about UNRWA and the way it operates around the country and in Gaza? Right now, the the Relief and Work Agency that is a huge black eye to them. Uh, I'm sure the UN is working. You know, they are working overtime to figure out where the breakdowns have been uh, in vetting, uh, and not just vetting once, but in oversight on all their employees. Uh, particularly um, as it relates to Gaza and Hamas. And so uh, that's something they're going to have to work through internally. And there's nothing that can happen right now. Um, I, I guess they fired a dozen plus employees already. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The idea of aid workers actively participating in combat operations is horrifying for any of us. It's, it's the ultimate Trojan horse uh, where the same people you're expecting to be, uh, you know, giving us a hand up, uh, you know, may have a, you know, for lack of a better analogy, may have a gun in the hand, right? So um, that's something that we certainly, you know, we, as we said, as permanent members, we can sit there and, and, and find ways to ensure there's proper vetting. Um, when you look at places like, when you look at places in particular, like the, like Gaza, the Gaza Strip, where um, any outsider is going to be looked at, uh certainly not accepted, but looked at with a jaundiced eye, um, you end up recruiting uh, internally and you open yourself up for that level of, um, you know, it's, it's like a mini counterinsurgency within um, within the UN, within the Relief and Workers a- work, work Agency, that is. And so places where you have a very small population pool to recruit from, to train from, but they're also members of that society, particularly a society like Hamas, uh, I mean, supported by Hamas, the Palestinians that are supported by Hamas. It opens itself up for that. Um, you know, this is a news. It's a it's a news story. It's a breaking story. Um, it, it, it you know, to those looking at it um, that had some insight of it, it's going to come as no surprise. It's a much bigger surprise right now than I thought it could ever be. Um, yeah. But it's something that's going to have to be taken care of immediately by the UN. Um, it's they're going to this is not going to happen or be fixed in a day. This is a long term look and it's been a wake up call for the, for the U.N. So appreciate your thoughts. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I do hope you come back on the show, Colonel. Thank you again for the time. Do you have a, a new book out that you want to share with us? I do. Thank you. I uh, Ghost mm-hmm. of Baghdad. Uh, it Ghost mm-hmm. of Baghdad came out. It's been a great bestseller uh, for us. Uh, it's it chronicles. My first tour in Iraq as an attack helicopter pilot, and you know the great—I get a chance—I get a chance to tell the stories about a lot of great Americans. It's stories about me. It's uh, it's just seen through my lens, uh, and I tell the story and get to capture um, you know stories about you know our sons and daughters, and you know husbands and wives, and brothers and sisters who uh, who uh, answered the call to serve. So I was uh, happy to happy to write that book. Been very very excited about the response, and uh, I appreciate uh, everyone's support. 
Colonel Eric Buer, we want to thank you so much for joining us today, and I really appreciate your expertise. The Ghost of Baghdad is the book, but we hope you'll come back on the show. Anytime. Thanks, Virginia. Appreciate it, sir. Uh, lots to discuss today, and it's it's messy. These conflicts have been going on for a very long time. We don't, as Americans, we're not fully embedded in the conflict that has been going on with Iran and just how dangerous they are in the Middle East and how far the tentacles go. Uh, Really interesting conversation. Again, his book is Ghosts of Baghdad, if you're interested. We'll be right back. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 